0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Hey, hey, welcome to it. It's Wednesday evening. That means, yeah, Employment Law Show. Exactly correct. Reach out later to Lior. By the way, there'll be... um... Co-founding partner, the uh, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in this country. Simple, one 855 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the free website built just for you is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Get rolling here. We're going to get into so what exactly is included in a severance and how is it calculated? There's more to it than you think. And we're going to break it down throughout the, uh, the evening tonight. But we always start with a couple things going on with you, pal, in the week that was. And uh, what exactly you got coming up?
2: Uh, Would you be surprised, John, to know that I've been answering questions about employment law? Talked about that by that? Yeah. Come on. Wouldn't you know it? Exactly. (laughs) A lot of them, though. A lot, a lot of questions I've been answering every single day, all day, uh, and beyond. So I want to do the same thing right now over the next uh, 40 minutes or so to answer your questions, to tell you what you need to know. And hopefully make you feel better because guess what laws are good you know in this province we have some of the best employment laws anywhere anywhere in the world frankly but the law can't help you unless you know what it is and by calling us by listening to us you will know what it is you will know your legal rights you'll know what to do if your employer gives you an ultimatum puts you uh, off on a leave of absence lets you go threatens you uh, changes your employment terms Whatever the issue, you'll know what the rights are, what to do, how to respond. So why be bashful? Pick up the phone. Let's talk right now. Let's have that conversation. And I can hopefully make you uh, understand what you need to do. And, of course, if you want to have a private chat, you don't uh, get full answers on the radio, no problem. We'll give you my contact information throughout the show so that we can connect by phone and email but uh, it's really, really important that you ask questions. So many times people say, gosh, I wish I knew about this years ago. Well, if you're listening, there's no excuse for you to say that, okay? You can find out right now what your rights are, so take advantage. But with that said, John, uh, let's uh, get started with some situations that came across my desk. Uh, Probably the biggest thing that I've been asked uh, questions about over the past few days has to do with the uh, government of, of Ontario Announcing that they're going to roll back vaccine passports. Yes. Uh, so they've said they're going to, that's going to be coming in the very near future. And a lot of employees are wondering, okay, well, if the government of Ontario says we no longer need vaccine passports, what does that mean for my employer's policies about vaccinations? If I'm not vaccinated and my employer uh, put me off work, does that now mean they have to call me back to work? Does that mean that this policy is illegal? What does this mean? Well, the the reality is that it doesn't necessarily mean that much, only because an employer can ultimately decide what policies they're going to have in the workplace. Keep in mind that regardless of what the government of Ontario is doing with vaccine passports, an employer does not necessarily have the right to let you go for cause or to put you off on a leave of absence if you're not vaccinated. Either way, they owe you severance. That doesn't change. Now, it's quite possible that a lot of employers are going to hear what the government of Ontario is doing and tell people, okay, come back to work. In that situation, you obviously can go back to work, but you don't have to. You can treat that either the, the termination or you can treat that uh, leave of absence as something that requires the company to pay you severance. It's a termination. So if you've been called back to work, you can go back to work or you can choose to treat it as a termination back when this layoff happened and get severance. So that's how that works. Uh, but the fact that the government of Ontario is rolling things back doesn't necessarily mean that your employer will. Some employers will, some employers won't. Either way, you're going to be owed severance.
1: What's the, uh, what's the next thing you've been taking care of?
2: So I, uh, I spoke with a gentleman who had been off on a temporary layoff for a while, because of the pandemic, of course. Uh, and he expected to go back to work. He didn't necessarily know that he had certain rights. But eventually, because he couldn't uh, you know, make a living just being off on a layoff, he found another job and started working. Now, he hadn't necessarily decided whether he'd go back to the other company if they called him or he'd stay at a new job, but he has to earn a living. We all have to earn a living, so he started working. Well, the old company found out about it, the one that laid him off and they contact him and they say, well, we understand that you're on a, you found another job. So we're going to consider you to have resigned. So we wish you all the best. Here's your record of employment. Uh, Goodbye. So obviously he was upset. He never meant to resign. They put him on the layoff. He called me and he just really wanted to know what does this mean? So here's the thing. This is not a resignation by putting him on a temporary layoff back months ago. That was a termination of employment. His employer did not have a right to put him on a temporary layoff. When they did, they terminated his employment, which means back then they owed him severance. So anything he did after the fact can't be a resignation because he was already let go. So he's owed severance, about six months severance, which I'm going to help him get. But I want to remind everyone that that layoff, if you've been put on a layoff, well, even if it's because of the pandemic, is a termination. It's not something your employer is allowed to do. And if you've been put on that layoff, you're owed severance. Even if you found a job after, uh, even if you've already decided in your mind that either way you're not going back, doesn't matter. Once that happened, once that layoff started, that's a termination. You're owed severance. If You want that severance? can be as much as two years' pay, by the way. If you want that severance that's owed to you, let's talk. Give me a call.
1: You know that uh, that whole thing right there that you mentioned just illustrates how nuanced that employment law is. And we always act. We always tell people this. I mean, if you want to reach out to you, great. If not, someone else. Just don't reach out to your divorce <laughs> lawyer because it's a different discipline. I mean, I, what you just said there, I never would have known that after doing so many years with you. But uh, but there you go, right? Just shows you that you're always learning something.
2: Yeah, divorce lawyer, a real estate lawyer, not good. What uh, you know? What's even worse? uh let let me uh go ask some someone on google or uh Mm. let me talk to my cousin steve who uh was let go from his job (laughs) five years ago he must know uh that's even worse so please make sure you get your information from someone that knows what he or she is talking about uh someone that deals with these issues because if you get that information and you rely on that
1: information you can't go back get to your calls email if we have some time tonight we'll uh We'll throw a few of those at you and answer them. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, and always want to mention that pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's a website built on employment law information, and wrapped up into that is the severance pay calculator, which we love so much. It's all free. It's all anonymous. So feel free to go on anytime, on your cell phone or your desktop or whatever, and uh, and use it and uh, and learn lots, which you can you can uh, you can do for sure. So. Severance offers, what exactly is included in a severance offer and how is it calculated? We want to get to that. We want to get to our first point. You know, We talk about um, you all the time, age, uh, length of employment, your position. But are there other factors that go in determining how much severance an employee should get?
2: So yes, John, the, the main factors, you know this, our regular listeners know, are your age, your position, and the length of your employment. The longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position, the more severance is owed to you. So those are the main factors, but there's other factors that uh, can increase or even decrease the amount of severance. So really anything that could impact your ability to find another job is a relevant factor for severance. For example, if you're working in an industry where there's not a lot of jobs, well, that's going to increase your severance. If you're working uh, or you're looking for work in a bad economy where there's not a lot of jobs, again, that's going to impact your severance. If you're let go at the time when you're not not well, you're sick, uh, you have a, a medical condition, well, that's gonna make it harder to find another job. So that's gonna impact your severance. Other factors could be whether you were recruit, uh, recruited from another job, that can in- increase your severance. And there's on and on and on many more factors that go into assessing that. That's why anyone that thinks, oh, it's a week per year, a month per year, two weeks per year, you could not be more wrong. It's a lot more than that, number one. number two, it's not that straightforward. That's why you really need to get some advice if and when you lose your job.
1: We're going to keep working our way through that topic for tonight. But as always, phone calls always, always priority in that regard. Joseph, thank you so much for uh, hanging on for a moment. How are you tonight?
3: Very good. How are you doing?
1: Beauty, what's, uh, what's on your mind, pal?
3: Well, uh, one of my kids works for General Motors. Uh, they're not vaccinated and they're looking at possibly being they don't really fire you they kind of let you go uh, on you know leave uh and in essence you're waiting for the government to uh, release the dates and yet they still want to arbitrarily keep things uh locked down as far as having to be vaccinated uh some people have medical conditions that don't allow them to be readily vaccinated and yet They can't get around the uh, exemptions because they've locked that down as well through the government.
2: So, what's the question, Joseph?
3: So, the question is do you foresee any time in the future where we'll see not only mandates lifted, but people will be able to work, uh, you know, get a job where you're going to make a decent wage to make a living? I mean, you can't work at Tim Hortons for the rest of your life.
2: Well, uh, I do think that at some point, uh, you know, vaccine mandates are going to be, uh, you know, not widely used. And I think employers are eventually not going to consider them to be uh, necessary or desirable. And I think that time is coming up fairly soon. I mean, I th- we're already starting to see uh, employers uh, changing their mind on those vaccine mandates. We're certainly seeing governments rolling back vaccine passports. So I think that in the next few months, uh, it's not going to be a situation where most employers are insisting that people be vaccinated. Keeping in mind, though, that for non-union employees, if someone has been put on a leave of absence, that's not legal, necessarily. They can treat that as a termination and get severance. But I think that as as we move forward, uh, it's very likely that we're not going to see as many of these policies or mandates
1: from employers.
3: Well, let's hope so. I thank you for your time.
1: Thanks Joseph, appreciate uh, you calling in as well, 416-870-6400, get one more before we uh, we break here. Hi Lee, thank you for standing by. Good evening. Hey.
4: Hey, how are you guys?
1: Good bud, what's up?
4: Uh, I'm good, thanks. Hey. Um, my question um, is, I I work for a non-union company, um, been there for 10 years, so as well as a co-worker of mine similar, uh, chose not to get uh, vaccinated. But they put in place if you don't get vaccinated, you have to do a pre-shift test every every shift. Um, my coworker that I work with closely had chose not to do that as well. He refused to do the daily testing and and have the vaccination. So he was told in essence that you have to stay home. Then if you choose not to, to do that, then you you don't know, you don't come to work. Is he owed any kind of severance or or? Is he put on a leave or vice versa, and, and, and can they call him back? Um, is there a threat of, like, terminating him if he chooses not to do either of those things before a set time, and, and can they let him go for
2: that? Well, th- they can let him go at any time and for any reason, but they have to pay him severance. Now, he's already owed severance if they've stopped giving him work, if they told him to... to uh, uh, stay home essentially they've suspended him so right now your friend has two options he can wait it out and see if things change and they call him back that's option 1 option number 2 is he can treat the suspension as a termination of employment and require them to pay him severance so those are the two options if he wants his job i guess he waits and see what what happens if at some point they let him go they have to pay severance but otherwise he can force the issue now and require them to pay him severance
4: Okay, so basically you're saying that if he chooses, no, I don't want to do either of those things, um, I'm treating this as a termination, they have to terminate him with severance.
2: Yes, exactly. Well, if, if they, uh, I'm saying even if they suspend him, even if they don't terminate him, he can treat that as a termination and get severance. And certainly if they flat-out terminate him, then they have to pay severance.
4: Okay, I don't know what is good, like complete situation is if he's getting paid or if he's made an agreement with them but that was the understanding from the get-go so I just wanted to know that and 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 of course for possibly myself you know and uh you know we have chose not to be vaccinated but I have chose to do the pre-shift test uh, but he hasn't so I was just wondering you know what are the repercussions if you refuse something like the pre-shift test if you don't choose to get vaccinated as well and
2: what your rights were so Great. So thanks, Lee.
1: Thanks, Lee. Appreciate the call. And we'll take our first break for the night. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue. Employment Law Show.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: And welcome to it, or welcome back to it anyway. Lisa, thank you for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Uh, What do you got in mind?
5: So it's about severance. Um, The situation is a middle-aged individual that is highly employable in their job but interested in still taking their employer to court for their termination and severance package. What would be the case that somebody would – feel like they have grounds to stand on to take an employee or employer to court for not agreeing on the terms on their severance package. What would have better grounds for them to do that? Like, what would be the case that they would do that?
2: Well, I'm, I'm not trying to understand the question. If you're owed more than what you've been offered, then you have a case. Uh, if your employer offers you 2 months severance and you're owed more than two months, then you have a case. If you're not owed more, then, then you wouldn't have a case. So, so what exactly are you asking
5: so there would have to be there would have to be a good amount of, a good excuse as to why they would need more for package correct and not just no. talking about
2: sorry well no the law, the law decides what someone is owed right so uh, the law decides based on a number of factors the main ones are a person's age their position and the length of their employment and the vast majority of people Uh, when they're let go, are offered a lot less than what they're actually owed, either because the employer doesn't know better or the employer hopes to get away with it. So most of those people are able to, in fact, do pursue it, obviously, if they get advice, because they're owed more, right? If you're owed four months severance and you're offered two, why would you accept two, right? So, and, And you said something about going to court. The nice thing about these things is that, in the vast majority of cases, we can resolve it well before we can even see the court. We can resolve it with the company very quickly because uh, the law is not particularly controversial. But you know, the, the, the question is, what is the person owed? If you want to give me their, their particulars, I can tell you what they're actually owed. And if they're owed more, they should pursue it.
5: Employed for 10 years, mm-hmm. um, middle age, highly employable uh, position. They can and, get employed very easily again.
2: Okay, and so so ten years uh, employable, and what kind of a job? Computer. Okay, so you know, middle aged you know, subject to them finding another job, they're probably looking at it close to a year's severance. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, depending on what, what, what has this person been offered? Six months. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely think that that person should pursue it, uh, unless they're they know they're found a job already. I mean, even if they find a job, it's possible that that job doesn't work out very quickly, or they don't pass the probationary period. So, yeah, there's no reason why someone in that situation, to me, would accept six months' pay. Uh, it should be certainly closer to ten to twelve months. So that's that's what I would say. So let's
5: say. 10 months would it still be beneficial i mean you're still paying legal costs to to uh battle this right well
2: the reality is oftentimes these things can resolve very quickly so legal fees can be minimal and one option that people have is to to uh, go on a contingency basis where the lawyer only takes a percentage of the improvement so in mm-hmm. that sense it's it's risk-free so it, it, yes. it, cost is never, should should never be an issue in these things. Uh, it's not a case where you're spending tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees hoping that it works out. It's just not, uh, not uh, the case when it comes to severance issues.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't it beneficial, though, for the employer to provide a severance package to prevent something like this from happening?
2: Absolutely. Uh, a, a good employer would do that, would provide fair severance and avoid uh, anything, but... You know, for reasons whichever they are, most people, and I'm talking ninety percent of people, nine zero, when they are let go, are offered less than what they're owed. It's it's a stat, okay. it's a fact. Uh should it be the case? No, but it's it is that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lisa, going to let you go. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the call. It's an interesting question she asked at the end. You know, should employers do it? Yeah, but do they know? Because they probably save, uh, you know, a mitt full of money with people that don't bother pursuing things, right?
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that the vast majority of people, when they're let go, don't necessarily know what they're owed. They don't know any better. Right. And because of that, they accept what they've been offered. So if the company thinks, if I'm going to let 10 people go and each one of them is going to be offered less than what they're owed... Probably eight out of them are going to accept it. So that's pretty good odds. Uh, it's the two people that are going to get advice and are going to get more, but still good odds for the employer in that
1: sense. Talking about what makes up a, uh, a severance package and how it's calculated. You know, an employee, the average employee, you know, some of us may just have something like a salary, maybe a bonus is in there, a you know, the benefits possibly a car allowance, especially in like a sales gig. If they lose their job, what happens to those things, all the periphery around it, other than just salary, right? Right. So your severance
2: has to include all components of your compensation. So for the severance period, six months, 18 months, whatever the severance period is, the company has to pay you on the basis of all components, everything. So if you want to know if something needs to be included, you simply ask yourself, would I have received it had I continued working? And if the answer is yes, yes, I would have, then it has to be included as part of your severance. So because of that, severance, not just in, it's not just about your salary, obviously your salary, but it includes your bonus, your average bonus. Your benefits have to be continued. Your pension contributions have to be continued. If you have a car allowance, that has to be continued. Uh, if you have stock options, those have to be allowed to vest. So everything that you have, has to be included is part of your severance and one of the things i talked about the fact that 90 percent of people are offered less than what they're owed not just less in terms of number of months but also less in terms of the company not including everything Do you know how many times john i've seen severance offers where someone is offered whatever number of month severance but just salary and they may have a significant bonus and we have to knock on the company's door and say hey company uh, what happened to the bonus uh, did you just uh, conveniently forget about it? So that has to be included as well. So when you're talking about your severance, it's not just your base salary. Commissions, bonus, car allowance, everything has to be included.
1: You know, I did kind of mention, you know, the, the, the sales scenario there. So what if a person's hours of work or for that much, their compensation varies up and down year to year, week to week, month to month. How is severance calculated at that point?
2: So not everyone gets a fixed salary and some people's compensation changes month to month, year to year. Maybe you're on a, uh, on commission, you're in a sales role. Uh, maybe some years you have a lot of overtimes, others you don't. So it varies. So because of that, it's not complicated. What we would do is we would look at an average. Depending on how long you've worked there, we look at either a year, two or three year average and use that to calculate your compensation. So, you know, last year you earned uh, 70000 this year you earned 60000 Well, that average is sixty-five. so that's the figure we're going to use to calculate severance. So that the fact that you may have had a bad year this year or an amazing year this year in and of itself doesn't mean that that's the figure that matters. We're going to look at an average.
1: Uh, this has probably come – I mean, I'm sure you've had phone calls, especially in the last year, year and a half uh, with this particular point. That is, if an employee – used to be full-time employee – they weren't let go because of the pandemic or whatever reason, but now they're part-time. What is severance going to be based on? Because that's going to confuse the heck out of people, right?
2: So what matters uh, is your, your terms of employment at the time that you're terminated. Hmm. So here's what that means. Uh, you're a full-time employee and the company then says, well, you know what, for business reasons, we're going to have to bump you down to part-time. You're not happy, but you're Accepting it, you want to continue working. Okay. Fast forward a few months. Now the company says, "Yeah, sorry, that wasn't enough. Now we have to let you go." Well, the reality is that in that situation, you're now being let go as a part-time employee. So that's going to be the figure that's used. Your salary as a part-time employee to calculate your severance. So let's say you were making fifty thousand as a full-time employee, twenty-five thousand as a part-time employee. You're let go. Now your severance is based on the twenty-five thousand. So that's a huge, huge problem. That's why when it comes to changing your compensation, if the company does that, you really want to consider saying, no, that's a constructive dismissal. I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to treat that as a termination. Because the concern is if you're taking a reduction in salary, if they then turn around and let you go, now you're going to get less severance as well because your salary is lower. So very important to keep that in mind. Don't just accept reductions in pay or really any changes to the terms of your employment.
1: You know, on that list of things and components included in severance, uh, just a couple minutes ago, you did mention bonus. What if that bonus is discretionary? Does the employer still have to pay it as part of that severance package?
2: And by the way, John, that's exactly what the company always says when I say, hey, what about bonus? Oh, no, no, no. no. The bonus is discretionary. Discretionary. Well, it's not discretionary if you get it every year. So if you get a bonus every year, uh, you know, it may vary in amount, but you get it every year, then it becomes a a component to to the terms of your employment. It's part of your compensation. Just like with Clark Griswold, he gets a bonus every year. He counted on it. He went out and he got himself a, a pool. Why? Because it was a term of his employment. Well, the same thing here. If you get a bonus and you know you get a bonus, then the company can't say, well, this year we've decided not anymore or we're not going to include it as part of your severance. Now, if some years you get it and some years you don't get it, then at that point it is discretionary. And then the company probably doesn't have to include it as part of severance. But if you always get a bonus, company can't just say, no, no, it's discretionary, so we're not including it. They have to include it.
1: Don't knock that uh, jelly of the month club. It's you know the gift that keeps giving the whole year, Clark. Don't worry about that. That much. it is. That it is. <laughs> that is. What if uh, what if an employee usually works a lot of overtime hours? Is there a cap on that, or it's all going to be rounded up? No. So it's uh, so overtime
2: also is included as part of your severance. So you know when we look at your total compensation, some people you know you may make fifty thousand dollars your base salary, but you also work an extra twenty G's in in overtime. Well, if that's a regular, consistent component of your compensation, that has to be included as part of your severance. So overtime is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And a reminder there, of course, that you do have to get paid for overtime, even if you're on a salary, as long as in Ontario you work more than 44 hours a week. It's time and a half over 44. And yes, your average overtime has to be included as part of your severance.
1: You want to reach out afterwards to uh, to Leor and his... His team—that's really, uh, really easy. Help an Employment Lawyer You have Pocket Employment Lawyer The website and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Talking about uh, you know that that compensation, that severance package. Not that I have any, but how are stock options dealt with? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so remember the general rule, right? The general rule is, uh, put me in the same financial position that I would have been in had I continued working. So let's think about that. If you have stock options, then that means that, that for the severance period, let's say your severance period is uh, I don't know, 10 months. Mm-hmm. For that 10 months, whatever would have happened to your stock options if you'd continued working has to happen. So if you would have, uh, if they would have vested, then then they have to allow be allowed to vest. If you would have gotten new stock options uh, during that 10 month period based on the terms of employment, then you have to get them. So stock options are important. They could be worth a lot of money. So what doesn't happen is you don't just lose them because the company lets you go, okay? You still get your stock options and you still have to get everything you would have gotten had you continued working for that severance period. Sometimes that could be worth tens and tens of thousands of dollars. They could be very valuable. So you don't want to walk away from that. You also want to pay attention to the stock option plan. Sometimes that document may change uh, some of those uh, those principles and rules, but generally, yeah, you absolutely have to have those included and addressed as part of your severance.
1: Let's uh, let's dig down a little deeper into this one. Then, what about other perks that an employee may have, uh, like the place they live, like an apartment? If uh, you know, if your landlord, especially right, professional dues, uh, gym membership, even. How about that stuff?
2: Yeah, all that is is fair game. Now, one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, that we mention often is with respect to uh, uh, those that get an apartment is part of their compensation maybe you're a superintendent yeah and uh oftentimes with superintendents is you get a salary usually it's not a, a huge salary but you got a free apartment uh, you get to live in the building well that apartment is part of your compensation so if you're being let go well the company your employer either has to allow you to stay in the apartment for the severance period or pay you an additional amount of money that you can use to rent an apartment. If your apartment is, I don't know, two thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. and your severance period is ten months, then they have to give you another twenty thousand dollars on account of the apartment. Uh, same thing with you know gym memberships. Uh, you know uh, any other things that that any other perk that you would have received, as long as it's you know parking, for example. If you right. park at the office and you get paid for that, well, they're not going to give that as part of the severance because you're not going to be coming to the office anymore. But if they were to, if they give you a car allowance, no matter what, you get 500 bucks uh, a month for for a car, well, then that has to be included. So remember, it's not just salary. You always got to ask yourself, what else am I getting from my employer? And if it's something you're getting, yeah, usually it's included as part of your severance.
1: You did mention, you know, on-site parking, which you're not going to use, so they don't have to give you that. Are there other things that do not get included in severance?
2: Well, there are things such as you know 407 uh, transponder. You know, if you take the 407 to get to work, that's not going to be uh, included. Uh, if there is a, uh, a an employee discount, you know, you may not get that. But those are fairly rare. You know, in most cases, everything else that that is a perk of a job, everything else that's a, a, you know a benefit of having the job, uh, is included. Uh, and that, by the way pension. We mentioned that before. That's yep. a big one, right? Uh, you know, if you're owed two years severance, that means they have to continue contributing to your pension for two years. That can make a massive, big massive time. difference yep. on your on your eventual pension. You know how many times people forget about that? They don't address pension? Don't do that. Uh, it's so, so important to get advice, especially if you're kind of getting closer to retirement and that pension right. becomes a, a real uh, concrete thing. You really want to make sure that it's not just about whether you're getting nine or ten months. That's important, but we want to make sure that your pension is addressed properly, because you're going to need it at some point.
1: Yeah, it's you know it's interesting you say that. I, I look at uh, my own wife, who you know wherever where she works, that magic number is eighty. So your age plus your years of service. Once you hit eighty, mm-hmm. you qualify for a full pension. To your point, I mean, if she got let go with a year and a half away from eighty, but they got to continue right over that threshold. That's going to make a huge difference to her pension. So. Smart thing to think of, for sure. For and, and, sure.
2: and they would in that yeah. situation. If, if you you know, in your example, if she was owed, uh, you know, a year and a half severance, then they have to pay her, which gets her to that 80, which makes all the difference in the world yeah. in terms of her pension. Uh, and that can mean, uh, you know, th- the difference between getting very little and getting your full pension. So you got to get it right.
1: You got it. We've got a call in here. we got some time. Hi, Nick. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on air. How are you? Hi, uh, thanks. I'm great.
3: Thank you. Uh- great. uh, You guys were talking about um, uh, uh, getting paid overtime, and I was curious to know uh, if, uh, for example, you have an employment agreement, and your employment agreement says that you get paid this amount of salary, and this is what you're going to get paid to to get whatever work you're doing you need to get done. Um, It sort of suggests that it does it suggest uh, that that you're going to get paid that even if you work overtime you're not going to get paid extra so so if your employment agreement says uh, that you know you're only going to get paid this much what happens in that case if you do uh work you know hours extra hours because you know the the work has to get done
2: it's a great question nick and a question i get asked often and the answer is you have to get paid overtime So your employer does not get to contract out of the overtime rules. It's not possible. If you work more than uh, 44 hours in Ontario, you have to get time and a half. Now, that's assuming you're not in a position that's exempt from overtime. For example, managers are exempt from overtime. Uh, Doctors, lawyers, accountants, uh, a few other positions like that are exempt from overtime. But if you're not in an exempt position, your employer has to pay you, even if you're on a salary. So the way you would calculate it is whatever you earn in a week, divide that by 44, that gets you an hourly rate. So time and a half is your overtime rate. So if you work 47 hours a week, you have to get three extra hours pay at time and a half. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. does. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Nick. Appreciate the call. You want to reach out to any further more questions uh, when the show is done. Easy. 1-855-821-5900 one 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. I got a, a, an email here from Sebastian. Says, hey, Lior, I've been on a disability leave for a year. Uh, I've just been cleared to return to work, but my employer says that they don't have a job for me and that I should contact them in a few months. What can I do?
2: So first of all, the question is, do they have a job and, and are choosing not to give it to Sebastian? because if that's the case, then it's a human rights violation. You know, if your employer doesn't want to bring you back from a disability leave because you took the disability leave, they don't care, they're trying to kind of hope that you go away, that's a human rights violation. But even if it's legitimate, let's give the employer the benefit of the doubt, and they actually don't have a job for, for Sebastian. They're not, they'd are not. they love to have him back, but there's nothing there. Right. Well, they can't just put him off. Okay? He absolutely can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work. You don't have a job, fair enough. But now that's a termination. So you have to pay me my severance. The company doesn't get to say, well, let's check in with you in a few months. Doesn't work that way. So he certainly can wait if he wants, but he can also treat it as a termination of his employment now and get severance. But I'd also, as I said before, I'm interested to see whether or not Sebastian believes that the company is actually telling the truth. Because if they are not then it's an even bigger legal problem for them.
1: Is it the same rule for maternity leave, or you have to have your job when
2: you come back? Maternity leave is different. Maternity no. leave, you are, your employer has to have a job. There's no uh, maybe, no, no. You have to have the job. Uh, and if if your employer doesn't have the job, well, that's potentially a, not just a human rights violation. It's also a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It could be a wrongful dismissal. You name it, it's wrong. With a disability leave, there's no guarantee for a job there's a guarantee that your employer will try to give you your job. But if that's not possible, they can terminate with severance. Maternity leave, there's no trying. You just got to do it.
1: Been a wonderful evening. Thank you for the phone calls. Hope you learned a lot. Uh, We're going to do it again on the weekend on Saturday, so make sure you come back for that. Another opportunity for you to chime in and ask some questions. But in the meantime, reaching out to Lior. Anytime is 1-855-821-5900. The email address we just used, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website build just for you. You can learn tons from it even before making that phone call. You might not need to after you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And within that is the severance pay calculator. Stick around though, we're going to be back in the
0: weekend. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.